tangible effects in the world about us. We question and hesitate where they simply believed. There is something in our modern modes of thought, our modern attitudes toward religious problems, that involves hesitance and confusion with respect to prayer. No individual grappled more with this new dynamic than William James. A year older than his brother, the great novelist Henry James, William grew up in a wealthy household where his father, Henry Sr., had the reputation for being a rather brilliant but eccentric theologian. Adhering to the Swedenborgian philosophy of the Law of Correspondences, devised by the 18th century Swedish mystic and scientist Emanuel Swedenborg, Henry Sr. firmly believed that there was a visible and invisible dimension to the universe. Only through prayer could men and women experience the essence of the great unseen, what Swedenborg called the divine realm, and in turn find their destined path toward full union with God. Like the sons and daughters of so many ministers and educators who came of age during and after the Civil War, William James attempted to define universal truths in his own unique way. Originally trained as a physician, he was drawn to philosophy while a student at Harvard. An ardent believer in the theory of evolution, he became his generation's foremost proponent of pragmatism, the theory that there is no absolute in people's lives as they tackle day-to-day -day existence. Rather, James argued, the individual's unique perceptions and experiences allowed him or her to succeed. Human existence is, in essence, a subjective proposition, each person finding his or her own path to happiness. Organized religion was effectively being superseded by a kind of expressive individualism. Arguably his greatest contribution came in the 1902 publication of The Varieties of Religious Experience. In this groundbreaking work, he edited a series of lectures he had delivered in Edinburgh, Scotland, to explore what he called the psychology of religion. He wanted to show how individual religious experience, not the tenets of traditional religion, became the basis for all spiritual life. By extension, he believed that prayer, in its broadest sense, was the very soul and essence of religion. We hear, in these days of scientific enlightenment, a great deal of discussion about the efficacy of prayer, and many reasons are given us why we should not pray, whilst others are given us why we should. But in all this, very little is said of the reason why we do pray, which is simply that we cannot help praying. It seems probable that, in spite of all that science may do to the contrary, men will continue to pray to the end of time. If belief in the Almighty and in prayer benefits an individual, James argued, then he or she should pursue that relationship. The exercise of prayer in those who habitually exert it must be regarded by us doctors as the most adequate and normal of all pacifiers of the mind and calmer of the nerves, he wrote. James was trying to analyze prayer, religion, and human beings on the proverbial psychiatrist's couch in a way no one had ever done. At a time when many Americans were spiritually adrift, experiencing a loss of faith in the maturing industrial age, he helped to make religion and even mystical experiences more acceptable by mingling science and religion in profoundly novel ways. 
If one were to read only the writings of James and his followers during this period, one might conclude that organized religion was on a slippery slope to oblivion, and that prayer seemed to hold more questions than answers. Indeed, orthodoxy on America's campuses was being transformed in part due to this increasing religious pragmatism. With so many scholars in academia exploring new theoretical worlds, it seemed as though religion had taken a permanent backseat to other academic endeavors. That was not quite the case, however, as religious devotion continued to hold sway on college campuses. Hymn books and sheet music that spoke to the unique religious traditions of each school were now being specially printed for colleges. Almost every institution of higher learning that had opened its doors by the turn of the century was having students memorize some hymn or prayer distinctive to the school. Although attendance at daily chapel services was no longer mandatory in most cases, as it had been for America's founding fathers, chapel remained the spiritual heartbeat of most college campuses. Consequently, college hymns and prayers would be sung or recited for vespers or Sunday morning services, as well as at larger commencement ceremonies. Like the cheers and songs for alma mater and the gridiron, prayer helped classmates to forge lifelong bonds. In the case of Harvard, the Latin professor James Bradstreet wrote the words to the school's hymn, Deus Omnium Creator, in 1894. Rather than write English lyrics to the equivalent of O God Omnipotent Creator, he wanted to embody the college's classical traditions. By combining his lyrics with an 1862 melody composed by John Knowles Payne, Harvard's first appointed music professor, Bradstreet was bringing together the traditions of Harvard since its founding by the Puritans. The Rutgers prayer was a bit more accessible to the community, and more representative of college hymns generally, as it emotively asked for God's daily help. Written around the same time as the Harvard hymn, and memorably arranged later by the Rutgers professor F. Austin Walter, the piece held a special place in campus life. We, men of Rutgers, bow in prayer to ask thy blessing, loving care, provision for our many needs, thy guidance in our daily deeds. Protect us, God, as we go on to meet the challenge of the dawn. We, men of Rutgers, turn to thee to make our hearts beat pure and free, to see the glimmer of the light that leads men into paths of right. As we trudge old Rutgers' sod, keep us ever near thee. God. Traditional colleges were not the only educational institutions to develop their own hymns and prayers. The country's military academies at West Point and Annapolis had long instilled a sense of both national and religious destiny through their songs and prayers. At the U.S. Military Academy at West Point, founded on the banks of the Hudson River in 1802 during the Jefferson administration, Prayer had always played an important role in a cadet's life. God of Our Fathers, known to many as the National Hymn when it was composed for the country's centennial celebration, was adopted by the Academy as its own. By 1920, the Reverend Clayton Wheat, the head chaplain and chairman of the Academy's English department, had written a prayer for cadets that he hoped would have staying power and meaning, as though it had come naturally from the lips of young men. Approved by West Point's Commandant, 
Douglas MacArthur. It became a prayer that future army men and women would learn by heart and take with them into battlefields overseas. It was even recited as the last words of dying soldiers. O God, our Father, Thou searcher of men's hearts, help us to draw near to Thee in sincerity and truth. May our religion be filled with gladness, and may our worship of Thee be natural. Strengthen and increase our admiration for honest dealing and clean thinking, and suffer not our hatred of hypocrisy and pretense ever to diminish. Make us to choose the harder right instead of the easier wrong, and never to be content with a half-truth when the whole truth can be won. Help us to maintain the honor of the core, untarnished and unsullied, and to show forth in our lives the ideals of West Point in doing our duty to Thee and to our country, all of which we ask in the name of the great friend and master of men. Many of the hymns and prayers adopted by the academies became a part of the tradition of the larger armed services as well. A case in point was Eternal Father, chosen by the United States Naval Academy at Annapolis as its official hymn, and in turn adopted by the U.S. Navy. The words had been written by William Whiting, an Englishman, for a young man about to embark for America on the eve of the Civil War. With a tune composed by the Reverend John Bacchus Dykes, a prolific composer and Anglican priest from Cambridge University, Eternal Father is one of the most hauntingly beautiful hymns ever written. Eternal Father, strong to save, whose arm hath bound the restless wave, who bids the mighty ocean deep its own...